Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, NBA season is just a few days away, and uh, you know how we do it here on the format. I'm going to do what I do, and uh, I'm going to give you all NBA episode number four. So uh, today I have joining me uh, Andy Noel, AAU coach and the format's official basketball and NBA analyst. So uh, sit back, relax, and listen up to episode 40 of the format. Andy, thank you for joining us today. Um, you know what we do. We get into it. We talk hoops, especially NBA. So uh, let, let's go right into that now. First thing we want to discuss, obviously, is the NBA and its China controversy. And of course, where do we start with that? The face of the NBA, the gift that keeps on giving, obviously, LeBron James. So um, in the wake of the China controversy, uh, the NBA pretty much imposed a gag order on uh, most of their uh, personnel after the Daryl Morey tweet, basically saying, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, fight for fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. But um, in the wake of that, there was little commentary coming out of the league, even from its most outspoken players and coaches. But finally, a few days ago, LeBron James uh, took to the mic and made his response. Here's that response, and then we're going to get into what you think about it. We all talk about this freedom of speech. Yes, we all do have freedom of speech, but at times there are ramifications for the negative that can happen when you're not thinking about others and only, you only think about yourself. So I don't believe, I don't want to get a, a word or sentence uh, feud with Daryl with Daryl uh, Morey, but I believe he wasn't educated on, on, on the situation at hand, and, um, and he spoke. And uh, so many people uh, could have been harmed, um, not only financially, but physically, emotionally, spiritually. So just be careful what we tweet and we say and what we do, even though, yes, we do have freedom of speech, but there can be um, a lot of negative that comes with it. Okay, Andy, so after having some time to hear that and uh, get, you know, kind of, I'm sure you've heard it before and you've gotten your thoughts together on it. Tell me, what what comes to your mind when you hear LeBron James' commentary on the state of the uh, ongoing issues between the NBA and China and Daryl Morey's tweet? Bruce, first and foremost, thanks again for having me. It's always a pleasure to be on the format. Um, great show, great opportunity for us to chat. As it relates to the China issue, um, to the point that you made earlier, LeBron James is a gift that keeps on giving. Um, I wonder what, what size his shoes are because he's so creative at getting both feet in his mouth at the same time. Um, <laughs> with that being said, um, I actually kind of err on his side uh, regarding this issue. Reason being, and, you know, call me crazy, but I don't know why we care about what athletes' opinions are on geopolitics. Where, I, I mean, who's the last, has, has, has 
Messi, Ronaldo, Federer been asked any questions about how they feel about police brutality in the United States when they come here, for, you know, to, to, to play tournaments? I mean, I'm not sure why it matters, but I mean, now that the cat's out of the bag and he's already spoken and given his opinion, I think he fumbled mightily um, and he kind of left so much room for interpretation where one of the articles that I saw said that he's anti-democracy. <laughs> and I laughed. I said, I don't think that that's the case. Um, <laughs> right, I, I wouldn't agree with that like, either. I, I don't even think he cares. Um, you ask him a question about something that affects him directly financially because, look, he's in with Nike, right? He's in with Nike, and Nike does a lot of this in, in, uh, in China, right? So, so you're, you're, you're effectively asking him a question about his pocket and the company that he's beholden to that allows him to align his pocket. So without any training and without any, any, um, any um, prep work with, with his publicist, everybody has a publicist, you see he just basically spoke from the top of his, from the top of his head and he's paying for it. Um, so let me stop you right I, there real quick. Um, first, I think that the reason why we say, you know, the question you asked was, why do we care what an athlete has to say? I think Muhammad Ali uh, set the table in terms of social consciousness on a, on a global scale, right? And we know that LeBron James, out of his own mouth, has said that, you know, he hopes to go down in that vein as a Muhammad Ali type figure. As well, we look at the platform now more than ever that these athletes have in terms of social media, in terms of the expanded range of uh, sports coverage, broadcasting, multimedia journalism, etc. And we say, OK, you know, it's the, the Spider-Man thing, the Peter Parker thing. With great power comes great responsibility. So, you know, we often expect me personally, I don't expect that i mean i'm not a i'm not a shut up and dribble guy but at the same time i don't expect too much from athletes in terms of uh you know being uh my barometer of social justice now with that said i think the biggest issue with the whole lebron case in this china issue is more than anything the fact that this has exposed him to be a flaming hypocrite this is a dude that has continually you know uh created the image and very carefully almost that he you know feeds the millions with two fish and 20 loaves of bread or whatever the parable says right and that he is this social justice warrior but when one of the biggest opportunities came to do that we saw that his concern and rightly so is with right uh lining his own pocket and I'm not going to say nothing more, but that's his primary concern. And I'm not upset with that, but it doesn't align with the picture that was previously painted. So now you have a lot of people upset because they believe that he walks on water and he was uh, exposed to not do that at all. And, and, and I agree to an extent, right? Um, it, it, I mean, it, it, I don't disagree. I think the, 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 the idea that he walks on water is kind of where the problem is, right? And that's why... I, I lay the blame for him not meeting the expectations of those who think he walked on water. I lay the blame at their right? So he thus far has talked about issues that hit home for him. Um, and again, he has the right to do so. Asking him to now opine cogently about what's happening in Hong Kong is really beyond is really beyond what I would expect from him. Again, right? I don't see anyone asking any of these international athletes, or even let's say a Bryce Harp, right? Let's say, or, or let's say an Aaron Judge, 
you know, is anybody asking those guys how they feel about what's happening here in the United States and from a social justice standpoint? Nobody asked those guys, right? So, I mean, Muhammad Ali set the template, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Russell. Jim Brown. Jim Brown as well, right? Those guys set the template for what political activism as an athlete looks like. But no, but there's no mandate that that you need to follow you know, that, that that LeBron or any other person needs to follow that model, right? If, okay, I pick and choose what I want to be involved with, right, or what, what, what my issues are. Because, again, who's asking those people in Hong Kong how they feel about what's going on here in the United States, right? It's it, it, to a large degree a double standard. Now, having said that, do I think LeBron James is, is selfish and, and, and myopic? Oh, absolutely. Um, without a doubt, right? It, it's not, this is... Look at look at look at how he up look at how he upended all the lives of the people on his roster that he uh, that, that uh, on his rosters all the all the guys who he moved out and off of teams in order to pursue his his you know his championship um, endeavors right many people's lives were uprooted in order in order to accommodate him right so if you just look at that as as an example of how he operates now again that's well within your his prerogative obviously but. Me, I, I lay the blame at the feet of those who would actually have expected him to come out here and give you a a, a tertiary perspective on what's happening in geopolitics. No way that's going to happen. Um, and and the, the, the funny thing is, I think the one thing that actually came out of this, LeBron James isn't as smart and articulate as he's been made out to be, as he's been uh, um, as he's been portrayed, LeBron James has been putting his foot in his mouth ever since before he even signed a night before he even signed an NBA contract. When he signed his Nike contract, he, uh, he, he, he they handed him a mic and he started talking. That. And this is the first time I'd ever seen him speak. I was like, wow, this kid needs some media training because he needs to shut up. But lo and behold, however many years, 16, 17, 18, however many years later, if you if you take if you if he is not in a situation where he is being coached. He can't be trusted to say the right thing. Well, Andy, what I got to kind of say in response to that, I definitely agree with you. But the fact is, number one, this guy has been around microphones for too long in his adult life not to be able to uh, make proper responses in certain situations. People get mad at Tom Brady because... They say he's the master of saying everything while saying nothing. But guess what? Nobody's getting on Tom Brady for his stances. He very deftly avoids saying the wrong thing when there's a microphone in his face. And number two, by the time Le- by the time LeBron actually responded to, you know, questions regarding this whole situation, it had been over a week. Are you telling me that's not enough time for him to properly process the information, at least the information that was at hand and kind of sync it with his own feelings on the matter, as well as, you know, the NBA stance on it. And finally, he should have had enough time in conjunction with all of that for his uh, his PR team to advise him on the proper response to make in the wake of such a controversy. Your thoughts on that? So, you you highlighted Tom Brady, and I'll also I'll also bring in Steph Curry and a, and a sprinkle of Michael Jordan. Steph Curry was asked the same question on the same day, and nobody even remembers what he said because he wasn't looking to make an impression with his response. He was looking to answer the question. Tom Brady as well, right? Not necessarily looking to create any headlines, 
You ask me a question, I'm going to answer the question in an effort to move forward. Michael Jordan was, was vilified for not taking a position on, on, on different social matters because it was those, because he was conscious of the fact that his opinion could be, could be used as a polarizing me- method um, or method of polarization to cast one group against another group. If I know, if I'm fully aware of what my circumstances are, I am at the essence of my being an athlete. The only reason why I have this platform is due to my athleticism and 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 the and the pro, and the prowess that I've shown thus far. I don't necessarily view myself automatically as as a go-to for for um, geopolitical for geopolitical um, commentary. I just want to say what I need to say and move forward. But the unfortunate part about LeBron James is. He's walked himself into the scenario where they call him the face of this and they call him the face of that. And now he feels like he has to respond. He's not savvy enough to know, listen, I don't really want to have a, a two-week conversation on something that I'm not even knowledgeable about. How about I just say, hey, um, this is an unfortunate set of circumstances. I'm sure that the guys in the NBA who, who, who and the liaisons between the, between the NBA and China will get this situation worked out. Oh, you're on your way. Right, and you haven't hurt anybody's feelings. Your sneak companies, your sneaker companies, is still intact. Uh, or I mean, your relationship with your sneaker company is still intact. The media isn't going to kill you. You gave the political answer. Um, funny enough, though, as an aside, I was listening to a podcast the night before, and they had actually said it, that, it, the issue wasn't even about China. It was about his. He's he is LeBron James is actually bent out of shape with Daryl Morey for what he, for his um, Carmelo Anthony and Chris Paul's departures from Houston. So he was really taking a shot at Daryl Morey and using the China issue as a medium to do so and kind of put his foot in his mouth. Again, somebody who's not paying attention to what the entire picture is. You're trying to take a shot at a guy and thinking, okay, well, this guy's not taking a beating enough in the media. Let me help out. Let me lend my, let me lend the gravity of my voice to help out. And it ends up backfiring. Well, now that's interesting. I hadn't at all thought of or even heard that angle of it. And um, obviously, you know, the media, this NBA media is extremely uh, LeBron centric. So I'm sure they'll do their best to keep that for the most part under wraps. But I'll give a quick response to put a bow on this whole uh, topic is that at the end of the day, your commentary was that LeBron James at the crux of his existence is an athlete, but that stance is exactly why he has made such a a huge uh, push towards this whole more than an athlete campaign, because clearly he doesn't believe that he's just an athlete. Why he doesn't believe that, I don't know, because clearly the fact that he is an outstanding athlete is what has gotten him to this point. I understand on one side, he wants to be more than an athlete because he understands the power of his platform. I understand on the flip side that the fact that he even has this platform is due 100% to the fact that he's an outstanding athlete. But it is what it is, and we'll see what comes of that at the end of the day. But what that does do is lead us into our next topic, which is going to be some good NBA season preview. As we know, the season is only just a couple of days away, starting on Tuesday. Now we'll take it from off court onto the hardwood. 
And uh, obviously, one of the biggest moves of the offseason was Anthony Davis becoming a Laker after LeBron's long pursuit of him uh, last season. And uh, a lot of uh, experts and so-called pundits have the Lakers as favorites to win the NBA championship. Andy, tell me what you see this season from the Lakers with uh, their two superstars. So um, I think the, the, the pundits, the, the matter, no matter what, no matter where, the pundits are going to try to find a reason to keep LeBron James in the finals anyway. Um, but that's another story for another day. I, I, I'm not even going to go that far. I'm, I won't project that forward. I'm interested to see. So, so watching watching them play against Golden State Warriors in the preseason got a lot of the guys really excited and you're like, wow, this is what it's going to look like. And these guys, you know, they're going to be they're going to be down. Then I watched them play against the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn and the, and the Golden State didn't play any of their bigs. So the so they so. Uh, the Lakers were pretty much playing against guys six, eight, six, nine, and below. So, quick Actually, disclaimer, Andy. Let's let the world know that you are a Nets fan, have been for years, and of course, you're from Brooklyn. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan who went back in the it, it, since '89. Okay. So, um, when they, when they were in New Jersey, but having said Derek that, Coleman, right, Kenny Anderson, Drazen Petrovic, but go and, ahead. Drazen Petrovic, Chris Morris, and, absolutely, and, and all the other guys, right? Um, even Romeo Robinson. Oh yeah. Boy. Um, but <laughs> throwback, but, um, very very back. But but even with, with that being said, right? For me, it's, I don't necessarily get caught up in a, in a team success against one team because a lot of times styles make styles and rosters really dictate what competition looks like. I watched them play against the Nets, and watching them play against long, athletic guys, didn't, I was I didn't walk away from that saying, okay, these guys are world beaters, right? Um, look, Brooklyn. That, that was just a snapshot into what it could look like. But when you when you look at, I'm interested to see what they'll look like against what they'll look like against Denver, who has a lot of mobile bigs, right, and and a lot of guys that need to be need to be defended. I'm interested to see what they'll look like against the Clippers, of course, right, because you know they're the the, the they have a they have a a uh, really really dynamic um, roster where you can move a lot of pieces around. And um, that can probably that can be problematic for the Lakers. Um, the, the the Lakers, I've heard, you know, from from at least I've I've seen people say these guys don't really have any shooting. I think they're decent in the shooting area. I think you have Dudley. I think you have um, uh, Danny Green. With the, with the I forgot what the gentleman's name is. Danny um, Green. He's on, he's, uh, you have Danny Green. They have Kyle Kuzma, who can also shoot the three. I think the 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 challenge is going to be for them, right? You have a lot of guys, you have a lot of names on that team, and there's only one ball. And the Anthony Davis-LeBron James tandem is going to be interesting, but it, those guys also have to defend, right? So um, it's, I would be interested to see what their first matchup would look like against Philadelphia. Philadelphia is the longest team in the league, right? And I think the shortest guy in their starting lineup is like 6'6". Six, six. Um, so... You have a bunch of a bunch. I'd like. I'd be interested to see what they look like against Lent, what they look like against guys who force LeBron James to defend. Right that, in the matchup against the Clippers, I think that's going to be his biggest challenge. Right, not only not only forcing him to defend, but who is he? Who's going to be playing this defense on him? Right, because he struggled against Patrick Beverly. He's not going. To, he, you know, he's not going to match up well against 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 uh, um, Kawhi Leonard. He's not going to match up well against. Paul George, 
they're not going to match him up against uh, against um, uh, ha- um, oh Montrez Harrell. Harrell. So so and they're not going to match him up against this, the 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 suitor Zubac the center. So it, it's interesting to see. And also, right, you know what what position are you putting Anthony Davis in, right? So you're you're whether you understand it or not, you're a top heavy team, right? And, and none of your guys are really known for playing defense outside of AD. So it's going to be interesting in terms of them winning a title. The West is going to be tough, right? How many games are they going to play, right? AD has a history of breaking down, right? LeBron has a history of of avoiding breaking down by taking games off, right? How much is that going to how much is that going to pain them, right? Now, and you also have to contend with Portland, right? Portland's a year better, and 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 you know, they reconfigured their roster a little as well, so. You've got some hungry teams right there, right, who are who who do have the personnel to be able to give you some problems, right? So I, I don't I, I'm not going to coordinate these guys and say, okay, you got LeBron James on your team, that means automatic championship. I, I'm not one of those guys. I'm I'm interested to see Denver's going to be a headache, right? Denver's going Denver's going to be tough, um, and I think there's a couple of moves left to be made. But, um, I, look, I, I don't necessarily think Golden State is going to be a problem this season. I think Golden State, if they were smart, they'd basically take this as a rest season. You, you, you've made your mark in NBA history. Um, you can afford to take a year off and, and reconfigure. Um, but I think I think in terms of teams that are going to give the Lakers some problems, Denver, Portland, um, the Clippers, of course, yeah, and that's in the West. I think, they, I think they'll struggle also against Milwaukee. Milwaukee's going to be a problem for them. Is less so now you have you have multiple players that can play against that can match up against AD. So right? let and, me and and, and and you have bigs that can shoot. You have guys that can stretch that team. So, um, it's not going to be as easy or a cakewalk as these guys are trying to make it out. So let me respond to some of that. <clears throat> you gave us a lot to unpack there, Andy. Uh, definitely, I think one of the biggest things for me. And I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast. LeBron James is in year 17, right? We love to talk about that when we make excuses for why he doesn't do this or why he can't do that. He's in year 17 and he's got more tread on his tires than anyone at this point And he's still playing at a high level, blah, blah, blah. Got it. Okay. With that said, LeBron James came off the first major injury of his career last season in year 16. So what possibly makes us think that an athlete who, as aforementioned, has so much tread on his tires and has played all these minutes, et cetera, et cetera, and carried so much of a load, right? This is what the Bron fans and and the Bron media love to tout as another excuse for his greatness. With all of that in place, what makes us think that his body will respond better in year 17? Now, I'm not wishing injury on anyone. But I find it hard to believe that another injury doesn't follow because I don't care who you are. No one heals better with age. That's just not how the human body works. So let's put that to the side and let's say that he makes it through the season unscathed. Unfortunately, we know Anthony Davis is not going to do that. He just doesn't do that. Right. And uh, secondly, to your point, um, you're talking about uh, how difficult the West is. There's not a lot of room for the so-called load management in the West, right? You really only have two superstar caliber players on that team. Uh, the Lakers have a quality role players, but they really only have two, two superstar caliber players. And they're always going to need at least one in order to be able to win the games, right? 
there's never going to be a time when you can sit AD and LeBron. So what happens in the event that unfortunately is almost an eventuality that Anthony Davis sustains some sort of injury that keeps him out of the roster for a couple of weeks or excuse me, keeps him off the court for a couple of weeks, right? Or what happens if, you know, God forbid for the NBA and all the LeBron fans that he sustained some sort of injury. The Lakers are in trouble. So as you say, it's definitely very early to coronate them, right? And although Anthony Davis probably, you know, arguably is the best second fiddle LeBron has ever played with, um, I guess if you want to say Wade, you know, it depends on what you look at and how you measure it out. But, you know, taking, I'm just saying if both players are healthy, Anthony Davis may be the best player LeBron has ever played with. Regardless, that may not be enough to win a championship because we know for LeBron to be successful, he needs everything to go perfectly and he needs a lot more assistance in that so it should be interesting i definitely agree it's too early to coronate them and secondly if you also um want to mention uh what you said about the clippers the clippers are going to give them headaches headaches defensively in terms of the defensive versatility on the perimeter against a pick and roll team now one thing i will disagree with you on I don't think Milwaukee gives them that much trouble if the Lakers are healthy. Milwaukee has one truly legitimate scoring option. Middleton can go cold, and if he goes cold, then what do you do? Giannis is the only guy, and as of now, we haven't seen him expanded his game enough to be able to carry a team. We saw that Kawhi was able to put the clamps on him. There's nothing that makes me believe that a healthy Anthony Davis could not give Giannis all the trouble in the world so I don't believe in Milwaukee being a team that can give the Lakers too much difficulty let, let, let me interrupt you there they added uh, they added a couple of components they added Kyle Korver the reason why I say they would give him a problem because again it's a left thing right you have you have decent coaching you have decent coaching and excuse me you have decent coaching and you have um, and you have the players in terms of the athleticism and their ability to their ability to um, switch on different players, I think you will be you will be um, they will have some they will have some issues. I, and every year a player like you talk about Middleton, I, I agree in terms of his his getting cold. But every year they get a little bit better, right? Every year um, a player. A play, each player seems to develop a little bit more. Wesley Matthews, Wesley, Wesley Matthews is, is is a scorer, right, uh, and and a legit three point shooter. So you've got some guys that can really look. Are they world beaters? No, they're not. But in terms of matching up man to man, they're going to give. They matched up with the Lakers. They're going to be. They're, they're going to make some bets in what the Lakers know how to do. The the one thing that I, the one X factor that I have is going to be Kyle Kuzma for the for the for the Lakers. He's probably going to be the biggest difference maker, depending on the matchup. So I I get all that, but to me the premise still remains the same offensively for the Bucks that they don't have a second guy that they know is a bucket getter. They've got guys who are role players and who can assist, but you need a second guy that you can go to in the event that. Greek Freak is being shut down, which we know can happen. But uh, I guess that's one of the things we'll have to watch and, and see the yeah. development of the team and, and how that goes. Um, yeah, so uh, with that said, we kind of talked about them a little bit already. Uh, give me give me a short uh, uh, feeling on what you see 
from the Clippers. Obviously, now Paul George is going to be out first several weeks of the season, still recovering from uh, those uh, labrum surgeries. And uh, we know that he's one of the major acquisitions along with Kawhi Leonard. Uh, when that team is healthy, tell me what you think they're going to be. Uh, keeping in mind that load management is also going to be a key here because Kawhi Leonard seems intent on not playing more than maybe 62 games in a season. They actually said that he was that she was going to play all season. He, they would not be doing any load management. If, if you know Doc Rivers, Doc Rivers, Doc Rivers doesn't really like the load management. He likes to commit 100 percent because he's a he's a big believer in develop in the habits that you develop during the season are going to are going to prove. Um, help uh, to prove to be valuable during the playoffs. So he needs everybody's 100% participation. Having said that, we're in a new era where these guys expect to be have their loads managed. So they they will want to they will want to get as much rest as possible. With that being said, I mean this is the entire the way the entire NBA is. So I can't foresee them kind of falling behind the pack. I think they're going to be one. And, it's going to be they're going to be probably. You know, anywhere from one to three, they're going to finish one to three in terms of the playoffs. Um, because um, I don't know how hard they're going to go, but I think that's not a team that you want. And I think Patrick Beverly is going to set the tone a lot, right? That, 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 that guy's the energizer, buddy, buddy, man. So I don't think you can actually still be any taking off of any game um, as a result of that. But if you ask me where do I think they're going to rank, I think it's going to be one to three. And I think everybody's going to kind of be careful, um, especially after Paul George gets back. It's going to take a while for the team to gel. Um, but I think once that gets figured out, these guys are going to be—they're going to be a headache um, because you have you have two um, two-way elite two-way players, um, and and you have a bunch of guys who ranked high defensively last year. Uh, what the, did they rank high defensively? I think they were yeah, yeah. No, they were, they were a uh, top 10 defensive team. And this year, I can't see, maybe statistically they'll come up with something, but I can't see when they're healthy them not being arguably the best defensive team in the league because the way they can Agreed. defend on the perimeter is, as you said, it's going to be a nightmare for other teams. Agreed. And, and also, they were they were um, they were ranked pretty decently uh, offensively last year. So imagine what it's going to look like now with these two guys who can actually fill it up, right? Um, it, it they're going to be a gritty team with who eats out some wins. They're not going to run. They're not Golden State. They're not going to blow you off the floor, but they're going to eke out some wins, and they're going to put the league on notice. Once everybody's once everybody's in the lineup and everybody's self, they're going to put some teams on notice. I can agree with that. So, if you ask me in terms of projections, uh-huh. um, I, I would I would venture to say I wouldn't be shocked if those guys and uh, I have in, in my heart of hearts I have them or Philadelphia winning the championship. So we'll definitely get to Philadelphia. Um, as you know, I picked them to win the East last year, but we'll get to that. Staying in the West for the moment, uh, let's head down south to Houston and talk about the Rockets, where another huge offseason move took place. And uh, uh, Russell Westbrook was uh, traded from the Thunder to the Rockets. And uh, how do you think that works out? And before I give you my opinion on that, I don't think it works out at all. You have two <laughs> extremely inefficient, ball-dominant guards who can score at a great rate and neither really wants to defend you got them both in the same backcourt I think it's going to be a problem I um saw some uh, uh 
footage from the preseason and listen to some other analysts who were saying it's it's not going to be good because you see that both James Harden and Russell Westbrook, when they don't have the ball in their hands, they're not very involved in the play. They just kind of hang around and float towards half court. They don't they don't move well without the ball. They don't uh, actively engage themselves in the uh, in the play that's going on when they don't have the ball. They almost don't know what to do. And this is something that I kind of foresaw. I don't know if they'll work through it. It'll be a test of Antony's coaching ability. I don't think he's a great coach to start. I think he has a system that lends to big numbers, but his inability to win in the biggest games and to make adjustments when it's needed most says to me that he's not an outstanding coach. But give me your thoughts uh, briefly on the Rockets. I don't disagree. I don't disagree in terms of them kind of um, hanging around when, when, when the ball, when, when they're not active on the ball. But I don't know if that's necessarily a function of, of them so much as a, focus, a function, at least as far as Harden's concerned, a function of the offense itself. Um, I think I think a lot of these guys. I think a lot of these guys have a tendency to um, you know to, to 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 basically play. They're so ball dominant. Today's players, a lot of them are so ball dominant outside of Curry and maybe a handful of others that when they don't have the ball in their hand, they're, they're essentially watching the play like you and I are at home, um, which is also a testament to, to today's you know basketball players. Um, Today's basketball players, um, basketball IQ, but I, 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 I'm interested to see what these two look like. So I've heard that they want to, they've been wanting to play with each other for years. Um, so you know, they, and their buddies and what have you. So I am, I am, I'm interested to see how these guys, how these guys um, gel with one another. Having said that, watching both of them play, play for all them year, all those years, I think. Um, they probably develop some habits that are going to be hard to break. You know, being able to just do what you feel like doing without having to concern yourself with the rest of the roster. Both of them were in in, in similar situations over the years, so um, I'm interested to see how that unfolds. Now, the rest of everything else, I don't know. Did they make any key pickups during the during, during the off season that could change their uh, advantages? No, not really. Russell Westbrook was the big one, and I think it's you're just looking at it as okay. We add an elite piece of firepower and a guy who can obviously rebound the ball, pass the ball, and score the ball. But now he's playing in a completely different system, which he also doesn't fit because he doesn't shoot the three well. And as we mentioned, he's a guy who, when the ball's not in his hands, he just kind of stands around. And also, you know, he doesn't defend. He doesn't contest shots, which lends to a lot of his. Uh, triple doubles we saw that um him basically not defending the shooter allows him to crash the boards heavily but you know that's going to be what it's going to be it still takes a tremendous amount of effort and energy to get those triple doubles on such a continuous basis so i'll give credit where that's due but um russell westbrook is the one he doesn't fit um as so far as it seems and again watching him trying to do it with harden is i think it's going to be hard to watch but we'll see uh, it, it, so, by the way, all those triple doubles happening anymore. Um, so, so let's just get that out of the way, right? Uh, because and, and all those multiple games, those multiple game uh, uh, scoring streaks, that's not going to happen more either for uh, hard. So it, it's these. It's going to be interesting. I can't really get a good feel for them because I think I've never really liked the way either one of them played alone, right? So I watch a lot of NBA games and I'm talking about like off games that nobody watches, NBA 
Sacramento, um, you know, um, Milwaukee versus uh, New York. I watch a lot of games. Um, you know, just for the sake of watching the sport. I never watch, oh, excuse me, I don't ever watch full, I never watch full OKC games or full Houston games unless, unless they're playing in Golden State or something. Because those those games are so hard to watch with the way those two guys play. And I'm interested to see, at least in the short term, what that looks like for two guys on the same team who play so who play such a a uh, a a ball dominant style play on the same roster. I have no projections. I have no idea those guys are going to go. Um, <laughs> I would be shocked if the coach gets fired and somebody gets traded. Um, I would be shocked. At all. I hear that. So let's take it over to the uh, Eastern Conference. As much as I would love to have something to talk about, I'm gonna leave the Knicks alone because I, at this point, they're not really worthy of discussion. I, I, actually, uh, I actually have a take on the Knicks. Give it to um, me. If you don't mind. No, give it to me. Um, so I watched them play the other night, and Julius Randle actually gave a game away. Um, and, and, and a preseason game away against the Pelicans because he overdrew. Um, again, another thing, another. Another team with a guy with a bunch of bad habits, right? Been playing on these different teams all these years, and, and I guess you're thinking, okay, it's time for me to put my stamp on this team. Um, it's time for me to put my stamp on this team, so I'm going to. And it ended up costing them because um, he he was dribbling in the traffic and what have you. I think uh, the Knicks have a bunch of bunch of guys playing the same position, um, a bunch of guys playing the same position, and not a lot of veteran leadership. Um, they, although there's some veterans there, it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out because you have a few personalities on that team, but I don't know how much actual, how much they actually complement one another. They're, they're not really strong in the wing area. Having said that, um, I saw some of their rookies, their second-year player, and I'm terrible with names all of a sudden. Um, the kid out of Kentucky, the tall kid out of Kentucky, He's a lot more aggressive than he was last year. Um, and the rookie, uh, R.J. Barrett, I'm interested to see what he becomes. Um, they're kind of weak at the point guard. Um, they're kind of weak at the um, at, at the center position outside of Mitchell Robinson. So it's it, 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 it's not a catastrophe, but they're going to be interesting watch. Yep. Okay, so let's, uh, let's go over to uh, the other part of the city. Let's go to your nets. Obviously, big free agent splashes. Kyrie Irving and uh, Kevin Durant, who obviously Kevin Durant will be out for the season, recovering from the Achilles injury. But uh, you got Kyrie Irving, who uh, didn't do such great things during his time in Boston. Um, I'll I'll leave it at that. Um, But he is now a net. He's one of your guys. And uh, (laughs) what do you think we have to look forward to this season with Kyrie Irving being a man and then next season with uh, Kevin Durant getting back on the floor and Kyrie Irving having to learn how to play with him. I like when you, you, you keep putting you keep pointing out the fact that I'm a, I'm a Nets fan but never say anything about you being a Boston fan. Very well played. I like well, that. Well, he's, now, gone. Boston, I, he's I, I, gone from the Celtics so I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. appreciate you uh, offloading. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, I, I try to tell you for years. <laughs> So I'm probably one of very few Nets fans that didn't really like the way our summer ended up. Um, because 
it's a lot of noise now, right? A lot of noise, and I don't know, at least in the short term, what that's going if that's going to be able to translate into wins. Um, I think, I think, in my opinion on on Kyrie Irving is that he's a great player to have on your on your team when you when he's a B option, second option. I don't think he's the first option. I think he tends to dribble quite a bit when he's the first option. Um, and when you say what we have to look forward to, a whole lot of dribbling, a whole lot of oohs and ahs. <laughs> but, um, um, but I don't know necessarily. I think it's going to take a while for him to gel with those coaches because those coaches are, were playing a system that was, that was um, predicated on ball movement and, and player movement. Um, that is, those have not been staples in Kyrie Irving's game, at least thus far. Um, having said that, the coach is going to probably have to make it work, right? The coach is going to have to figure out how to make that work because um, you have these guys that signed up and you either make it work or you get fired. That's kind of the culture we live in in today's NBA. Um, so, and, and you know, KD, the addition of KD doesn't help me either. As an S fan, I'm a KD guy, right? I like KD's game, but he's a little flighty. And the reason why they joined the team is because they're, they're you know, two guys say, hey, we want to we wanna be able to, you know, come in here and play with, you know, I want to play with my friend. Um, when I hear statements like that, that scares me. Um, because, okay, let's say you guys have a falling out, what then? <laughs> so, so you know, um, in terms of projection, I don't see them doing much. Um, I don't see them doing much in the next two years. I think the impact will be felt in year three um, because it takes about a, it takes about two years to get back to what you what your what you were before you you, you had the the the, uh, the Achilles injury. Uh, at least as far as KD is concerned, and that will make KD 33. What am I expecting out of a 33-year-old player? Um, am I expecting championships? Am I expecting entertaining basketball? I don't, right? So that is a move, although there's a lot of sparks flying and a lot of, a lot of fanfare, I don't necessarily think it's going to end up in the championship. But as far as this season is concerned, It'll be interesting. A lot of dribbling, a lot of, lot of, lot of uzunas, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, um, false expectations. But maybe somewhere in the seventh, eighth seed. Uh, no, no, I wouldn't go that far. Maybe seven, anywhere from about, anywhere from about fifth to to, to seventh seed, somewhere in that, in that next group. And you can also count on some great post game from Kyrie because you know the earth is flat. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, <laughs> his, 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 uh, his, his analytical take on whatever the take of the day is is not something I'm looking forward to. Um, him dealing with the New York media is really going to be a sight to me. I'm, I'm interested in that um, <laughs> because those guys aren't going to those guys aren't going to be taking it easy. Right? Again, a big game shows up in New York, you start losing games. Um, Somebody's going to be held to account, right? And, yeah. and KD has KD's in great shape because he gets to sit and watch, and nobody really has to have him in. Um, 
But, you know, Kyrie being able to deal with that day in, day out scrutiny um, and, and you know, whatever reaction in the event that the, the you know, the, the train jumps off the, off the track, um, his reaction to what that looks like once these guys start, start uh, once, the, once the media turns on them is going to be interesting. All right, and that's the uh, prognosis for your Brooklyn Nets. Now... Let's, uh, we mentioned the uh, Celtics. I actually hadn't even had a rundown because uh, they're in the back of my mind. I, I don't want to look too into what I think may or may not happen with them because I don't want any uh, overblown or any disappointments. But uh, give, me a, give, me, give me a quick uh, thought on what you see for the Celtics. I see maybe third seed in the East. Uh, give, me, give me a quick thought. We agree. Um, we agree. They're going to have to resolve this. This, um, their issues with their with um, Jalen Brown um, and, um, and 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 Hayward, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to dread those issues. Um, but I see them somewhere in the three range. I think I think there'll be a little bit more cohesiveness though. Um, I think there'll be a little bit of, of, of uh, some growth. Um, I think and I think um, Jason is going to re reemerge. As the as the alpha on that team, um, but really, I think so they're going to be somewhere in, in the three range. So you're saying you see growth on part of Jason Tatum and uh, better cohesion without Kyrie Irving? <laughs> Where have you heard that before? Well, um, uh, some guy named Bruce told me that, but this guy likes to tout himself. But I think, but I think the personalities, right? Kemba Walker is a different player, right? Kemba Absolutely, Walker, especially. Kevin Walker also has some reverence for the area, given his his, his college affiliation, having gone as you have it, right? But, it's have you. but I also think he's just he's probably better suited for those guys um, than Kyrie is, right? So, so you know, Kyrie has a tendency to kind of be a little bit more into himself unless he's your friend, like as he is with KD, right? Um, so I think these guys don't these guys haven't really earned his respect because because. You know, they were rookies after he had already gone to some championships. So I'm sure he had he kinda had ideas in terms of what the pecking order should have been and the success that they had had prior while he was out injured probably changed those dynamics. Um but I think I think um Kemba is probably a whole lot easier uh in terms of his disposition to be able to um embrace those guys where they are in their careers and where he is in his career and, and be able to say, hey, you know what, let's make this work. Um, Kemba has been in not winning situations, so he is probably a whole lot more humble and probably views this as an opportunity for him to solidify his career, so he's going to make it work. From what I've read thus far, I'm hearing really good things about how Kemba Walker is fitting in in that locker room and with his teammates, and also in general, I think you can see in his uh, demeanor and his body language, etc., he also seems much more willing to be coached. And the fact is, he can give you statistically pretty much what Kyrie can give you. So I don't have uh, uh, too much of an issue. I like what I'm seeing there, and can't wait to see how it all works out uh, during the regular season. I like it. Uh, moving on. Yep. Moving on from the Celtics, let's uh, let's head down 95. And go with the team that I picked to win the Eastern Conference last season, 
and that was the uh, Philadelphia 76. Let's be real, as great a run as Ka uh, Kawhi Leonard had in the playoffs, it did take a miracle shot to get by the Sixers for the Raptors by uh, Kawhi Leonard. So this Sixers team is a team that, as you mentioned earlier on in the show, has tremendous amount of length, which really is able to aid them defensively, and it's able to create a lot of mismatches offensively. And with what looks to be the emergence of Ben Simmons having a perimeter game, this team could be really dangerous offensively. Your thoughts on Philly and the Sixers? So a lot of this is going to be predicated, a lot of their success is going to be predicated on Ben Simmons' ability to hit a mid-range touchdown. If Ben Simmons, with his length, his athleticism, his decision-making, is able to is able to make a mid-range jump shot to keep the defense off of and off of the post players and, and beat in particular these guys it, it, it's going to be like that uh, because you will, they, they have so many different pieces they have Al Horford who's now, who's now on that team who offers a level of veteran level leadership of, um, experience and know-how and just command the locker room um, you also have the new the, the guy they traded uh, for Jimmy Butler Richardson mm -hmm. who's a knockdown shooter and a heck of a defender yep um, you have you have uh, Tobias Harrison who is although not really good for making big shots is a, is a tough perimeter shooter right and mm -hmm. can create his own shot they've got and they have decent bench they have a decent bench that is going to be problematic that can some of their bench players could be started up the so um, these guys are if they if, again it's all predicated on Ben Simmons if Ben Simmons can stick at a mid-range I don't even need him to hit a three if he can hit a mid-range jump shot because he's 6'10 right 6'10 with a high arcing jump shot you're not going to be able to block that shot you're not going to be able to really contest that shot so if he if he if he comes in and he's able to hit a mid-range jump shot I have them winning the championship very easily um, wow! You, you, because you don't have an answer, right? There's no answer for him, right? The, you know, there, there is. Embiid is a load in that team. Embiid needs a double team or triple team, depending on the team that they matched up against. Embiid's a load. You can't guard him. No centers. No centers can guard him, right? One on one at least. So with and he can he can shoot and he can shoot from the mid range and from the, and, and from the three. So you have all these different factors. The the one thing that w was working against working against Philly was their inability for their point guard to shoot shots um, for the perimeter. So you have to kind of put him in that dunking position or, or, or in that short that short corner. Now he's able to come in and shoot mid-range jump shots. You're in trouble, right? Because you don't really have an answer, right? There's, there is, you have to now guard everybody straight up. You have to guard everybody straight up. What do you do? Yeah, no, I agree with you Um, because the argument is normally that uh, threes in today's NBA, threes beat twos every time. But the fact is this is a team that can shoot twos and threes and can dominate, as you said, on the low block. Now, with Horford, who can also step out and hit threes, and Embiid, you absolutely have a big, big problem. And I'm 100% with you. I don't know if I go as far as to say they win the championship. That may depend on who comes out of the West. And, uh, of course, the biggest factor is Embiid's health. Embiid has to stay healthy. Hopefully, he's been working hard uh, on his body and, and everything else during this offseason. But, you know, all things equal, 
which of course sports aren't really like that but let's just say right now in the preseason we have to look at it as all teams stay healthy there's not a team that can match up with philadelphia and i absolutely feel like they should be able to win a championship i do agreed uh Okay, so that's kind of our preview. Oh, real quick, we didn't even stop in Milwaukee. So clearly, we've got Milwaukee probably number two in the East. Um, I think we can, and again, all these predictions are based on if everyone's healthy. I think we can kind of agree on Milwaukee number two in the East, but I have a hard time seeing them coming out of the East, as we just discussed, with Philly being what they are. I think a big key there is how much Giannis has improved and expanded his game during the offseason. If Ben Simmons can do it, I don't see why Giannis can't, but we'll have to uh, we'll have to find out when they actually step on the floor. But uh, let's, uh, let's quickly go before we get out of here and get a couple more uh, topics in. Unsigned free agents, uh, Andre Iguodala and Carmelo Anthony. Uh, what do we think of them? I think it's pretty much over for Carmelo, and it's going to be very interesting to see where Iguodala lands up. Your take, Sandy? Uh, Iguodala is actually on Memphis, but he's not playing because right, uh, right. He, they wanted they wanted him to report to camp, and he's not he's not interested. Right, and that, um, that's what I meant uh, in terms uh, of where he ends up. Um, you know how this all plays up, out. I think he ends up on the Clippers. Wow. Um, I think he ends up on the Clippers. I think uh, I think that's it, it, from what I've heard, and I'm not. You know, I, I'm not. I'm, I it's don't it's don't write this in stone. But from what I've heard, is there's interest on both on both sides, and um, both guys both guys want to um, kind of want to. I don't know if he wants to play for the Lakers. And I don't know if the Lakers can afford him. Actually, um, I think the Lakers, of course, want him. Right? So, you of know, course. It's <laughs> you know any LeBron James wants the entire team, the entire NBA on his roster. Right. And you know, so it's it's. Um, which is a subject for another day. But, yeah, but he's the goat, um, though. But anyway, on the Clippers, ultimately, um, from what I've gathered, he doesn't want to take a pay cut. Mm. Um, he doesn't want to take a pay cut, so that's kind of why they haven't bought him out. And um, and Memphis is saying, "Hey, we're 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 in rebuild mode, so we cannot see we cannot see ourselves, you know, um, giving this guy the, so not yeah. getting a good a good offer for you. So so they're working those details out. I think Carmelo Anthony. I think unfortunately you might be right, um, but I think it, it's a function of. So I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about the reason why Carmelo Carmelo doesn't give you enough offensively for what he takes away from you defensively. And I, and I said to myself, I cried BS. Like, this is nonsense. Yeah, let me stop you real quick. Let me stop you real quick. I think you're absolutely right. That's total BS. And it's just an excuse because the NBA, for the most part, doesn't defend anymore anyway. They don't want defense anyway. So that nonsense about uh, Carmelo not defending, I'm not buying it. Carry on. No, it's, it's so so for me, right, it, it, the one thing that the one takeaway was what they said, listen, you can't have Carmelo on your roster and not play him because he becomes a story, right? They have to, they have to now answer that, 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 uh, that coach has to answer that question repeatedly. Why is it, why isn't Melo playing every day? Because in their mind, they're like, they're worried about him getting exploited by whoever, whoever the matchup is. I think Spider Mitchell, Spider Mitchell was, uh, when they played, when Utah played against, when Utah played against OKC in the in the playoffs, 
and they kept on going to the Spider Mitchell matchup in order to uh, in order to get in order to to, to exploit Carmelo, I'm, and so they blame I guess they blame Carmelo for that loss. But the so, reality is, so, mean, did you see did you see Russell Westbrook's play? And that's what I, I that's what I was about to say. If you're you can't you need to blame the coaching there because Russell Westbrook, being the athlete that he is. He needed to be the guy that was on Donovan Mitchell. Further, as a coach, if you expect Carmelo Anthony to guard Donovan Mitchell, well, then you're not worth your salt as a coach anyway. So that just seems like low-hanging fruit. To, to that point, though, right, they also said, well, you have to too much in order to cover for him. One of the reasons why Houston got rid of him so quickly was the schemes that they needed to run to cover for him and Harden were such that it was costing them was costing them more on defense than he was putting out. Again, I cry BS, right? Because how many schemes? How many schemes have you have you seen them run? And look, not to go this far, but how many times have we watched the small forward destroy LeBron James on offense? Right. Right. Um, let's let's use let's use KD. Right. KD's destroying him on offense, and you have to switch so much to get him into a matchup that works for LeBron to be able to create create offense. So it's like, okay, you guys are just making excuses. I think the issue is, I think you are now, we're now in an era where the coaches are, it's a copycat league, and everybody essentially wants to be able to, everybody wants to be able to run the same offense. Everybody wants to be able to run fast, and everybody needs to be able to speed and, and, and run a hurry-up offense. And, LeBron, and, and to be completely candid, that's not Carmelo again. Carmelo Anthony is a dominant half-court scorer. But we are now in an era where, where three, because of the rules and because of today's players, the the mid-range game is no longer valued. So now you have to go with a, a pickup. You have to go into a game where that's predicated all on pace, and Melo's not a pace player. It's just that simple. So depending on the team, I think now he would fit nicely on the Lakers because quiet is kept. LeBron needs to play fast, but that's going to play against him. And AD doesn't. And AD is going to work against him if they play fast as well. He's not a player that can really play with pace, right? So at least not a whole game. I think he would actually fit. I think Melo would probably fit nicely on the Lakers, but I also think he'd fit nicely on the Clippers. And I think uh, just to to wrap up, um, Carmelo, there's a lot of teams he could fit well on because if I'm looking at it, he would be an awesome off-the-bench scorer if you give him the green light with the second unit, a la Lou Williams, a la Jamal Crawford. Crawford. Thank you. Right. So he would be, yeah. Joe Johnson Johnson is playing for Detroit. Joe Joe, there you go. Joe right. Johnson is 38. Right. What the heck is he on a roster for? And, and Melo can't get on a roster? Right. That's and insane. Joe Johnson's not defending anyone. We know that. Both of those guys can still get buckets, but clearly there's a reason that they don't want Carmelo in the league. It is what it is. We will see if somebody picks him up and gives him one last shot. But I I think it's probably over, and he may need to accept that. So, finally, before we call an end to this episode where we've covered a lot of great stuff, this is something that I specifically wanted to talk about um, as a new member of the sports media, but also someone who's been around a long time, well before the internet, where we used to read the sports pages every day, Daily News, New York Post, Washington Post. I read the sports pages, all of those things every day. I saw a totally different way of covering sports. And to be honest, I'm very disappointed with 
the sports media in a lot of cases today nba media more than any um i'm trying to figure out how to put this uh i understand that the nba itself has to market its current players and its current stars right the nba can't market michael jordan anymore they other than sneakers right uh most of the the nba fans didn't see michael jordan play they can't market hakeem olajuwon or magic johnson or larry bird i get all that so the nba has to do what they have to do to market lebron james and greek freak and you know all of these guys Kawhi leonard all these guys now that said the media that covers the nba outside of those employed by the league itself I'm finding it to be extremely disappointing and often extremely disingenuous in the way they cover things to the point that some members of the NBA media flat out lie to perpetuate narratives. Give me, without, you know, bashing anyone too heavily, give me your thoughts on the way that the NBA media is uh, covering the game itself and the league. So... And, and, and who am I supposed to be nice to, the fans or the, or the media? <laughs> um, just, just looking for some, looking for some guidance here. Right. Um, so the, the the challenge for them is right. So the way the NBA now, the way the game is marketed now is it's marketed in, in terms of highlights and yes. that. Yes. Right. To bring as many as many boys to the yard as possible, right? Not everybody understands the nuance of the sport. Not everybody understands um, what it means, what it means to, you know, to have, you know, to have players, you know, be able to operate, be able to operate off ball, be able to operate in, in the different systems. You have a lot of guys really flat out don't understand the game, really. I mean, it's terrible how much they don't know the game. It's, it, 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 it's, uh, I, and I say that because I look at a lot of commentary in on social media, Twitter, and what have you. And the first thing that they respond to any 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 um, resistance to their theories is they'll shoot out stats, right? And they don't pay attention to those details in terms of what those titles, stats are accomplished, and what have you. Mm-hmm. So the NBA media knows full well that the that you know the audience isn't that smart so therefore they they have now curated their message to address that or to adjust to that so let's use let's use the lebron narrative as an example right um the nba will tell you lebron james is is the best player is in the goat conversation and what happened and it, it has been repeated so many times right at this point is it's a foregone conclusion meanwhile there is footage of lebron james getting eaten alive by let's say a kobe bryant so you're saying well let's let's not say kobe bryant because for some reason that name is not popular anymore but let's say jason terry a guy who theoretically shouldn't even be on the same floor with lebron james right so let's say jason terry in the finals go ahead that's the point right there is and and, and, and and here's here's again how the message is being curated. We no longer even talk about the competitive aspect of the game, right? No, we don't. Competition is competition's not even up for discussion in the NBA anymore, right? It doesn't matter how you fared against your against your contemporary. It's more a matter of what were your what was your what were your stat lines when you played against when you played against eighteen, right? Mm-hmm. It never even it doesn't even it doesn't even register to anyone that you're not even match that you don't even like a lot of players don't even match up head to head against the guy that they're lined up with, right? So a small forward doesn't match up against a small forward unless it's like a KD, right? KD or a, a KD 
or a Kawhi Leonard or or uh, or a uh, or George. A so you mean all the small forwards except LeBron? Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I, listen, I'm not. I didn't say any. I didn't. I didn't call anybody <laughs> out. You know. You can do your own. You can jump to. You can draw your own conclusions. But <laughs> when you watch Paul George play, right? He's matched up against the guy he's matched up against. Uh, KD matched up against the guy he's matched up against. Right? Kawhi again. Right? You have these guys who are who. So when you just said earlier, we saw what Kawhi did to Giannis. Right? We saw what Kawhi did to Giannis. Kawhi took on the matchup. That was never really, it wasn't really paid that much attention to that he was actually matched up against his man because the standard has now become, I'm going to run away from my matchup and I just need to score as many buckets as possible so it looks good on the chat line. It looks good on, on the stat. On the, stat. the problem is, so now the NBA has walked away from viewing competition as the, as the focal point of these, of these games. It's now in pain. So now they, when these guys lie about, um, about, you know, um, Whatever narratives that they've created, it doesn't even go. It doesn't even go noticed because the the from, from the only objective they have is it's that thing. Oh, this person is a better player than that person because their numbers they had a higher percentage. They don't add in context that the player that the play is different, that the the, the personnel is different, that the that the, the rules are different. In their minds, the only thing that matters is the stats. So um, I listen to a guy like Mark. I can't say I listen to a guy like Mark Jackson. I've heard Mark Jackson, who who, who is a renowned basketball um, player, right? Right. Who is, is is pretty high up in terms of assists. Yeah, I think he's like fifth all time. Good. Yeah, smart basketball mind. This, Very good coach. You yes. hear this? You hear? Well, maybe. Um, but you hear this? <laughs> you hear this guy talk, right? You hear this guy talk, and it's like, okay, Mark, are we watching the same game? Like, like, like uh, that's not what just happened. So I think here's here's another thing, right? I watch. Uh, I tell you, like I said, I watch a lot of a lot of basketball. So I'll, I'll occasionally watch the NBA channel. And they'll, they will, there's certain players, there's certain players that they will, they will rerun all of their games. So they'll, they'll throw games on 2001, 1979, what have you. There's certain players from this era that they never show their losses or they rarely show their losses. Why? Because there is a narrative that has been created that certain players are invincible, despite what the actual data says. They will say these players are invincible. So in order to create, in order to perpetuate the narrative, they every every media every media source, every platform is complicit in 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 in, in, in maintaining that narrative. They'll ask a certain player, "Well, what do you think about this guy?" And if that player says something that doesn't follow that narrative, you never hear from him again. Right. So it, it is we are in an era where they are more concerned with content and entertainment than they are with being active. So I think old dogs like you and myself are kind of behind the curve or, or maybe too far ahead of the curve where we are, uh, depending on how you look at it, where we are more concerned with the actual um, uh, empirical data and with the, the details. Most guys don't most guys don't don't care about the details i'll give you an example my 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 director my boss out of the blue starts telling me oh old guys like you the reason why you know you you guys you guys compare lebron uh to to old standards he's new he's this that and the third i said with due respect you don't know enough about the game to be trying to have this conversation with me right <laughs> he says oh i can i can cite this that and i can cite that stuff i said you just made my point i said 
I will tell you, I never have a stat-based conversation when it comes to players. So much of it, so much of stats can be manipulated. The question becomes, what did this person do when they had this situation, right? I said, I can, I can point to Michael Jordan dominating all of his contemporaries. I said, LeBron James has had multiple players establish themselves not only on his watch, but again, can't be in the greatest conversation when that happens. But the NBA doesn't do it that way. The NBA is going to say, okay, this is our guy, this is the one who brings the boys to the yard. We need we need to continue to to um, perpetuate that 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 narrative. So we're going to do everything we can to do so. And look, like I said earlier, you and I are uh, you and I are a little old in how we view it because we are. The way we look at the game is more predicated on value, on, on on ethics, on truth, and on honesty. That's not what's happening today, my friend. I, I hear you on that. And, you know, again, to to your point as well as mine, I understand what the NBA has to do in terms of it being a business entity and it maximizing the value and marketing of itself through its employees being the players. I get all that. Where it bothers me is where I hear it from the external basketball media who is not directly affiliated with the NBA. But it is what it is. And I guess my answer to all that is, Andy, we're haters. <laughs> I mean... Well, I, 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 I am a hater. I'm a hater of BS. I agree. But with that said, I guess we are going to put a bow on this episode. We're going to leave it right there. Uh, Andy, I know this was a long one, took took a lot of your time, but I really do appreciate you uh, sitting in with me again and giving me your uh, unique thoughts and perspectives. Maybe not so unique. We agree on a lot of things, but your thoughts and perspectives on uh, the coming NBA season and what we have to look forward to. And uh, you know we're going to do this again. Um, thank you so much, man. Listen, I appreciate being considered. Um, I appreciate you... Uh you uh, value my perspective I, and, and I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you and your audience. I'm uh, looking forward to the next one, looking forward to the season. Hopefully uh, there's more to talk about later on. Absolutely. So uh, that's going to be it for this episode of the Format Podcast. That's episode 40, guys. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in with me. Uh, as always, if you're a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back. We're now at over 930 listening listens, so we're getting real close to that magic 1,000 listens number. I really appreciate all of you. If you're a new listener, I know this was a long one. Hope it didn't make your ears bleed too bad, but we had a lot to get to and a lot of really good stuff to talk about. So if you're a new listener, thank you so much for taking the time to tune in and hear what we had to say. Um, I'll be back again next week or I guess later this week now with uh, a regular show where we'll talk about uh, college football, uh, NBA, and NFL, along with my own perspective on a certain topic called the Bruce Breakdown. So be sure to check back with me for that. Um, if you're on an Apple platform or uh, a Google platform or any that allows you to, please rate and review, rate and review, rate and review. You can subscribe to this podcast by searching the format, and that's going to be on multiple platforms, Apple, Google, Stitcher, uh, multiple podcast platforms. So, uh, you know, just uh, check back with me. And of course, you can get with me on social media, uh, on Twitter, at Bruce F.A. Hope, that's at Bruce F.A. Hope, and on Instagram, at The Format Podcast, at The Format Podcast. You can leave me your thoughts. Uh, you can tell me what you liked, what you didn't like, where you think I was wrong, where you think I was right. You could just shoot 
shoot the breeze with me about whatever it is. You can suggest uh, topics for the next episode. Um, so again, thank you so much, and I'm out. Peace. Thank you.